I'm hey everybody, mad. this is the Brain Boggle Podcast, and Bobby's is, mad at me. Bobby's I'm mad. I think mad. We, we need to we need to air it out right now. I know, I'm I know normally we do some fun, and I'm mad. <laughs> ew, uh, ew. No, I'm not Brent's Don't girlfriend. I'm not Brent's girlfriend. Yes. Brent has a wife. No, my wife. Did you, did you see Yo, the third speaking, the yeah. trailer? Yeah, the trailer for Borat 2. Just <laughs> yeah, like, Borat that. movie film 2. I forget, like, this one's got, like, an even longer and more convoluted yeah. title. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, but, no, my wife is out in the other room playing Super Mario RPG oh, on our uh, little Super Nintendo that emulator. Is a, that so. is a very Christy thing to be doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so she's doing that while we're doing this nonsense. But, yeah, we're doing a podcast today for our second special episode of Bogtober. scary monster with fright because it is yes. Bogtober again. More sound effects. More sound yeah, effects. Sound Rattling bad. chains. Cat hips. <laughs> wolf howl. All right, More slide whistles. More slide whistles. <laughs> I forgot to put the slide Jack, did I you totally hear Brent's slide, slide whistle? Slide whistle. It, what in the last episode? Yes. No, not yeah. I was I was gonna listen to it after this because I because you I saw you guys talking about it. Dude, yeah, no, I, I, I was dead. I made some offhand comment about how I was gonna put a bunch of sound effects in the last episode, and because I had time to edit last week's episode, I just threw a bunch of random shit yeah, in there. Might as well, might as well. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I, that, was, I, that was fun. I that tickled me a little bit for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta yeah. be honest. I kind of forgot I put a slide whistle in there. I remember like the, the thunderbolts and like the the spooky sounds, yeah, but yeah. not the slide whistle. I forgot about that. Yes, but it is Bogtober episode two, mm. and mm. I have to say, uh, yes. I want to give a shout out to our social meds because I worked really yes. hard on that uh, on the meme today of the uh, headless Bobby. For <laughs> that was a fun one. Yeah, for last lie. week's episode, um, I enjoyed that. And if you aren't subscribed to our newsletter. You can go to brainboggledpodcast.com and subscribe to that because Brain Boggled Monthly just came out and we've got our new Bogtober mug on Brain Boggled Monthly. You can check it out there. Yeah, it's or on our website. I, I have mine right now drinking <laughs> oh drinking a sweet cup oh of joe at six o'clock at night honestly I, it's really irresponsible i'm not gonna be able to fall asleep tonight no, but i'm doing it person. because it's such a sweet mug you know you know speaking of that um jack i really like your costume today mm. oh thanks bring dude the game um i am uh i am a zombie from minecraft in the speed because you know uh <sighs> yesterday uh the new Super Smash Brothers Ultimate character got revealed uh, as Steve from Minecraft. I don't know if either of you saw that. No. no. But Steve from Minecraft is going to be in, in fucking Super Smash Brothers. That's hilarious. Which is wicked funny because he like he like places blocks on the stage and like oh. crafts items. He like crafts swords and, and, and axes and stuff. Dude, this is amazing. This is amazing. Yeah. Yes, great super costume. weird. Thank you. Very good costume. Yeah, good costume, Jack. So I'm proud. Thanks, guys. Um, now, Bobby, I need some. I need some explanation for what's going on with your costume here. It's a, <laughs> I'm not. I can't quite put my uh, finger on what you're trying to do yeah, here. I don't yeah. Get it. So I'm a Mickey Mouse simp. Um, <laughs> oh, Bobby, you don't even have to dress up. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Mickey Mouse simp today for Halloween. Yeah, um, I've got my Mickey yeah, ears just today. 
He's yep. only one for today. Yep. I have, you know, I have Mickey up on, above my TV. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Mickey a simp. Slave to the, Bobby's a slave to the mouse. Yes. I am. I'm obviously Aloy from Horizon Zero Dawn. Cause like, who else would I be? You know, <laughs> every year. Little crossplay cross going on. You know? every, year exactly. since, every year since he's played the game, he brings it out for Christmas too. It's very strange. Yeah, well, because obviously the game would be better if Aloy is a man. <laughs> stop, stop. I know, I'm sorry. Dude, did you see some of the comments uh, to, on the trailer? I'm trying to trigger the libs. Yeah. The rendering of the, uh, like, the rendering for the new game is really good. So, like, you can mm. see, like, the hairs on her face. And there were a bunch yeah. of comments that were like, why does she have hair? It <laughs> 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 was so weird. Yeah. It's weird. Oh. Uh, Should we introduce go. ourselves? We haven't done that yet. Yeah, oh, yeah I guess so. All right, I guess I'll go I'm go, first. I'm going last. I'm going last. Go first. I am your British butcher, B. Bobby. Mm. Oh, he's taking okay. two. I okay. made that up. Yeah, it's yeah, not no, a real you, nickname. You, yeah, you went for two there. It's not a real nickname. It's probably someone's nickname somewhere. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, Who's man. up? Brent, you oh, up? Oh, man. Oh, man. I am Something like Ben. your... I am your, you would think with this being my episode, I would have looked <laughs> something up beforehand. I am your bloody Sunday bee, Brent. Uh, Ooh. It's, it's, something with blood. It's, it's tangentially related yeah. to what we're talking about today. Uh, and I got, I got it handed on a silver platter. I uh, am your Jack the Ripper, Jay. There it is. Because that's what we're Jack. talking about today. Jack the yes, Ripper. Boyos. And I know nothing about Jack the Ripper. I know his name. I, I know, know that he's British. Oh, he's occupation. Well, or is he? Ripper. Or is he Bobby? <gasps> I know he was in Britain. Maybe he was in Britain. Yeah, we was, can we can confirm that he was in Britain. Well, so you know, was, was he British? Was he Britain? Was he Brit? Was he a bit? Was he a Brit? Was he a bit Brit? Was he a bit of a Brit in it? I think Brit- he might bit. have been. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I know maybe something. No, I don't know. That's all I know actually. Yeah, I mean, I won't lie to you boys, before doing research today, I didn't really know a ton about Jack the Ripper either. Does he rip some big forts? Yeah, yeah. He rhymes and he rips, he rips and he rhymes, and he also murders sex workers. See, that joke that I just did reminded me of uh, Parks and Rec, that dumb uh, internet show that they do. Oh, me so horny. Oh, yeah, the radio show. Yeah. Ira and the, the douche. douche. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, baby. Yeah, 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 baby. Fart so jokes. It's still like all like Austin Powers, like sound bites, like from like 1999. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we're, we're not doing um, a like drive time zoo radio show today. We are doing a podcast about Jack the Ripper. So, we've established that uh, it, pretty much all of us don't know anything about it, except for me now, now that I spent like a good like five and a half hours reading into this. And boy, oh boy, is it, um, is it an interesting tale we got here of our old saucy Jack? Um, oh, not me. You're not so talking to not, me not, specifically. Not, not our saucy Jack, but no, no. saucy, saucy Jackie. We have but, the um, sauciest we'll, Jack around, though. You have to admit. That's true. That's true, but this is a different Saucy Jack. So Jack the Ripper was an unidentified serial killer active in the largely impoverished areas in and around Whitechapel District of London in 19 or 1888. 
In both the criminal case files and contemporary journalistic accounts, the killer was called the Whitechapel Murderer in Leather Apron. So he wasn't actually called Jack the Ripper until um, a bit later. He was just called the Leather Apron. Yeah, just called Leather Apron, not even the, leather just apron. Leather Apron. What'd you hear about just- Leather Apron, mate? Right? Oh, I'm a terrible British accent. Why does he have a person. big old leather apron? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I couldn't really find a good origin story for that nickname. Um, I'm not really sure why. Uh, Whitechapel murderer, I get because that's where the murder. Yeah, was maybe that uh, tracks. Maybe they thought he was a butcher, and maybe butchers wore leather aprons. That, that kind of makes sense to me because yeah, um, there was, you know, Br- British butcher. Out. Yeah, uh, that was know. another mon- that was another monster uh, monster call. <laughs> Monster Energy Drink, yeah, yeah nice we're sponsored effect. by Monster. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, honestly, I'm more of a rock star man myself, but um, I'll take rocks. Yeah, no, I like rock star brand. You guys ever had Uptime? I haven't. It's good. It's All right, fair good. enough. It's, it's I'm very actually not a big mild flavor. It's yeah, it's a real mild sativa, you know, real heady high. <laughs> you guys remember Four Loco? Yes. I've never had a Four Loco. Yeah, Four Loco have was I. like. Four Loco hit hard when I was in college. Um, yeah, yeah, it was great. like listening to the troll soundtrack all at once. <laughs> exactly. God damn it, you guys are weird as hell. So let's sort of like dive into sort of like the background, um, kind of explaining the sitch, sort of like the political landscape of when Jack the Ripper was wreaking havoc in uh, London. So, in the mid-19th century, Britain experienced an influx of Irish immigrants in major cities, including the East End of London. Knew it. From Yeah, so, <laughs> a, yeah, so basically this is all about those damn dirty of Irish, just ruining everything for everybody. Irish Get your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty Irish. Sorry, Bobby. That's Our okay. Current. I don't know if Jack, are you Irish too? Of course I am, dude. Right. I'm the only one who's... <laughs> we're from, well, I'm we're the, from Massachusetts. So how well, many potatoes I'm, we have between me and Jack? Too many. Well, I'm Too the only popish dandy here yeah, from old, old London town here. <laughs> Just an English boy. No no Ew. Irish in this blood. Um, so, from 1882, um, there were also a, a number of Jewish refugees fleeing uh, pogroms in Tsarist uh, Russia and other areas of Eastern Europe emigrating into the same area. So we got an influx of Irish immigrants coming in. We got some uh, Jewish refugees coming in all around this time in uh, 1882. The parish of Whitechapel in London's East End became increasingly overcrowded, with the population increasing to approximately 80,000 inhabitants by 1888, which um, for like one small section of London, is that's a lot of people. Um, oh, yeah, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. So this is not like for all of them. And this is, you know, just one Look like, at all borough. You know, I mean, so. that's like that's like four TD Gardens. Yeah. So that's a lot of people. A lot of influx of people moving the to this TD, area. TD the Garden. I used to think TD stood for the. So when people would say the the, the, <laughs> the damn garden, the yeah, D garden, the I'd be Dick like, garden. I'd be like the, the the TD Garden, the D Garden. Yeah. <laughs> the, garden. The, 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 the garden. The the garden. It's like Italian. The garden. Yeah. <laughs> we're probably talking about this, and like anyone who's not from New England has no idea what we're talking yeah, about. It's, it's like, like heavy <laughs> it's, it's like the local stadium around here, where like you know the Celtics and the Bruins. And people play, know about but, the Garden. They have. To yeah, play. sure. But it's like, next I mean, to Westchester. I don't want to assume that everyone who listens to this podcast is a sportsman and would oh, understand yeah, that the TD Garden is like a place. I mean, here. yeah, because if I, I only know what it is because I live here. That's true. <laughs> yeah, so that's all I'm saying. 
So yeah, that's what that is. But anyway, um, work and housing conditions worsened at this time and a significant economic underclass developed. 55% of children born in, born in the East End died before they were, reached the age of five years old. Oh, Robbery, violence, alcohol dependency were commonplace and the endemic poverty drove many women to sex works to survive. So, you know, we have an influx of immigration happening to this area. People, you know, trying to look for a better life, but because of that big influx, there wasn't really enough work to go around, which led to, you know, increases in crime and violence and alcohol and sex work, which um, was not legal at the time. So, mm. you know, so not a great time to be living in this particular area of London, you could say, you know, things are not looking good. Um, the economic problems in Whitechapel were accompanied by a steady rise in social tensions, as you can imagine. Between mm. 1886 and 1889, frequent demonstrations led to police interve intervention and public unrest, such as Bloody Sunday, which, I, my, which was my little AKA, which happened in 1887. This was basically um, a protest where marchers were protesting the Unemployment and Coercion Acts, which were these um, laws made by British Parliament to increase state powers to suppress popular discontent and disorder, as well as demanding the release, or sorry, that's basically what they were there. They're basically like laws that were intended to just like squash. Ugh, same um, story. Protesting and stuff. Different basically what's, like what's happening right now. Same you know? story. It's always the same story, just the time changes, man. Oh yeah. Yeah, so the lots of tension, the lots of poverty and discontent. So people start protesting and are angry. And so, how do you solve that problem? Make it illegal to protest. So, yep. you know, uh, so that, that, naturally, that's the best solution. That's how big. And, uh, that's how big government solves any problem. They just make whatever the thing they don't like is illegal. Yeah. So rather than like addressing the underlying causes of the issue, let's just make so the issue the, illegal. Uh, so yeah. So this, you know, the Bloody Sunday protests came up as a result of that. As long as, uh, along with um, demands of the re release of this man William O'Brien, who was a um, Parliament member who was like arrested and jailed for reasons Same I did not look story, up. Story, different time. <laughs> it's always yeah. a Parliament member getting jailed. Yeah, I hate to see uh. it. I mean, that shit did happen when Louisville didn't it? Like following the Breonna Taylor, like uh, yeah. Announcement like uh, a lawmaker down there was arrested and like thrown into jail. Oh yeah, because he hit someone, circumstances. Right? Well, she was just protesting, and they said she was like, oh oh oh, oh inciting oh. a riot. Yes, so they one. like arrested yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. good Same stuff. Story. So like, yeah. So as a result of all this, you know, protesters clashed with the Metropolitan Police and the British Army. Over four hundred people were arrested. Over a hundred were injured, along with like a bunch of stabbings and bayonettings. It was a, a very rough situation so this is sort of you know the background and all of what's going on at this time in uh uh england uh particularly london at this time um when the jack the ripper murders are happening and along with that we had an influx of anti-semitism uh, you know as i mentioned well with the jewish immigrants who came into that area to fleeing russia because you know at the time russia was I mean, let's face it, anti-Semitism has been everywhere throughout yeah. history. But in Russia in particular, uh, on, on the czarist Russia was not very favorable to the Jewish people. So a lot of people were fleeing and it's, found themselves heading to England. You can just pick a year. Just close your eyes and just like <laughs> pick a year. And it's like, oh yeah, no, there was like suppression oh, yeah, yeah, and anti-Semitism. 
It's like, yeah. what? Yeah, so good stuff. Lots of great stuff. All really chill vibes. You know, <laughs> we're really feeling the vibes right now in 18, 1880s. So we got anti-Semitism, crime, racism, social disturbance, and severe deprivation influenced the public perceptions that Whitechapel was a notorious den of immorality. Mm. Such perceptions were strengthened in the autumn of 1888 when a series of vicious and grotesque murders attributed to Jack the Ripper received unprecedented coverage in the media. So, it's the media! Yeah, the goddamn media done it. Fake news. Uh, so, so, the large number of attacks against women in the East End during this time adds uncertainty to how many victims were murdered by the same individual. So, we don't really know for sure how many murders can be attributed to Jack the Ripper. But Some of them could be like copycats. Right, and there was just like a lot of violence at this time anyway. Mm-hmm. And, you know, violence towards women has also been something that has you know been pretty prominent throughout history. So, you know, it's kind of hard to say exactly how many of the murders at this time were definitely attributable to Jack the Ripper. Mm-hmm. Um, all we know is that there's definitely five for sure that they feel very confident were his and maybe like another nine or 11 or so that were probably his too. But, you know, the Jack the Ripper story is very odd and storied. So I'm ready let's for it. get into it. So... Opinions vary as to whether these murderers should be linked to the same culprit, but five of the eleven, like I said, were known as the canonical five, are widely to believe to be the work of Jack the Ripper. Most experts point to the deep slash wounds to the throat, followed by extensive abdominal and genital mutilation, the removal of internal organs, and progressive facial mutilations as distinct features of the Ripper's modus operandi. Mutilated lips. Yeah, not great stuff. Not great. So let's mm. get into the canonical five. So these are the five victims that most scholars and investigators all kind of agree that these were all most likely victims of the same perpetrator, our titular Jack the Ripper. So the, the canonical five victims are Mary Ann Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Eddowes, and Mary Jane Kelly. So, our first victim is Mary Ann Nichols. So, the body of Mary Ann Nichols was discovered at about 3.40 a.m. on Friday the 31st of August, 1988, in Bucks Row and Whitechapel. Nichols had last been seen alive approximately one hour before the discovery of her body by a Mrs. Emily Holland, with whom she had previously shared a bed at a common lodging house in Thrall Street, Spitafields, sorry, Thrall Street Spitafields, that's kind of a weird name, (laughs) walking in the direction of Whitechapel Road. So when she was found, her throat was severely, was severed by two deep cuts, one of which completely severed all the tissue down to the vertebrae. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like that. Mm, It doesn't get better. That puts a crack in the voice right there. Yeah, it, I gotta be honest, it's not about to get better. Her vagina had been stabbed twice, and the lower part of her abdomen was partially, partly ripped open by a deep, jagged wound, causing her bowels to protrude. Oh. Yeah, so these are like 
This is not just like, you know, quick stab to the throat, you're dead. This is like, this is this vicious, vile, like, just like complete, complete, like, annihilation of like a person's body. It's, yeah. This, this uh, is horrible. This is like, I mean, this is sort of like the stuff of nightmares. And you can sort of see why there's been a lot of obsession around this particular case. Yeah. Just based on like the level of cruelty involved. It's kind of like hard to even wrap your head around it. Like how could someone do something like that to Mm. probably know a stranger at this point? um, Do they know how the woman died? Like, do they know, do they know if it was like blood loss or like, like if he tortured her first or if he just like killed her and then mutilated her? Well, yeah, we have to remember this is in the 1880s. So, you know, forensics at, of the time are not great. Yeah, probably um, from what I can understand, they believe that the victims usually what killed them was that the stuff done, the, the slicing of the throat. That was okay. like sort of as like operation of murder and then sort of the stuff that he would do to like the genital area and like the abdomen and the removal of organs was a post-mortem act. So we, we, we know this stuff pretty much for sure. But okay. like, as far as like whether or not there was any sort of torture going on, I mean, I don't know. I don't think so. Other than, you know, I mean, murdering someone by slicing their throats down to their vertebrae. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, it would make me feel okay. Like there's nothing that would make me feel better about this, but like, it would make me feel a little more comfortable knowing that, like, this dude didn't mutilate his victims alive. While they were alive. I don't think so, but, I mean, it's hard to say whether or not, like, at what point they died from the throat wounds, you know? Yeah, because they could have just, it like, been like the, losing blood. Yeah, the throat wounds, like, that, the, the throat wounds were definitely done first, and, but whether or not they were dead at the time when he started, you know, mutilating their bodies, hard to say. Mm-hmm. Um, my guess would be based on the severity of the throat wounds. I would hope so for their, for God, for these poor people's sakes. I hope so, but yeah. it's it, really kind of hard to say. Um, yeah. And I got, I got a few pictures here. I didn't make a slideshow, but I got a few pictures here that I will share in the brain bloggled. So go check that out at brainbogglepodcast.com. We got some pictures of like the places where it happened and trigger warnings. There are some like police sketches of like the victims and a couple pictures like, they're you know Gross. grainy black and white kind of tough to see but it, you know if you're squeamish maybe you know avoid that stuff but th- they will be available at, at brainboggopodcast.com if you want to check that out go check it out so one week one leak sorry it's been one <laughs> week later on saturday the 8th of september 1888 the body of annie chapman was discovered at approximately 6 a.m near the steps to the doorway of 29 Hanbury Street, Spitafields, in Spitafields. Like, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to say that name right. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm saying it right right now. Just it, say it, it in a British like, accent. It's like Spittle and then Fields. Spittlefields? Like, yeah, it, feel, it feels wrong coming out of my American mouth, but maybe there's a British pronunciation that actually makes that. Spittlefields. Does not sound like you're talking about, like, a drool like yard like yeah, like yeah my yard's full of drool spittle fields <laughs> you know ew <laughs> i know gross, that's dude, the I gross thing that. in this podcast not the gruesome murders but spittle fields um <laughs> as in the case of mary ann nichols the throat was severed by two deep cuts so again another throat cutting down to the vertebrae very gross her abdomen had been cut 
entirely open this time, with a section of the flesh from her stomach being placed upon her left shoulder, and another section of skin and flesh, plus her small intestines, being removed and placed above her right shoulder. Uh. Chapman's autopsy also revealed that her uterus and sections of her bladder and vagina had been removed. I hate this! This is, yeah, it's... Now, I mean, you see this a lot of serial killers where, like, there's escalation in, like, what they do as they go on. But, like, it's, like, I I don't understand, like, what he's trying to accomplish with this. I mean, it's, like, obviously trying to, like, enact some sort of weird, sick fantasy. But, like, why remove the organs and then, like, place them in certain places on other parts of the body? It's just, like... It's, like, almost, like, ritualistic or something. Yeah, it's... It's... Yeah, like I can't even really wrap my head around it, and then off, and then taking parts of the body too. It's just so bizarre and yeah. gross. Yeah, that's like, ah, dude. I I just I'm so I get so squeamish with like severing body parts. Especially, yeah, this is gonna be a rough one for you, Jack, because it's all knife stuff, you know. Yeah, I hate yeah. it. <laughs> oh yeah, Jack doesn't like knives. I forgot. Yeah, we've established this on the pod, and it really only occurred to me just now <laughs> that no that's knives a thing are, for you. Knives are fine. I just, it's a stabbing. Yeah, it's 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 thick, stabbing and slicing, and uh, mm. I don't like that. I don't, it's Not fine. Good. I can get through it. I, <sighs> yeah, <laughs> but like, it's one thing. Okay, like this is weird, but like, I feel like it's become sort of normal in media to see like fingers or like limbs get cut off like oh i'm luke skywalker i lost my arm you know yeah that's deal. not that bad but like yeah. when when it's like body parts that like should not be removed it's mm-hmm. like i mean obviously none should but like just like i don't like thinking about innards being removed like yeah yeah, yeah and some of them like are just it. so specific like like sections of the bladder and yeah you know the vagina and uterus that's like so such a specific thing to be removing it's just yeah. just yeah it's yeah, not very weird not good i don't like it it's just, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna you know what guys i'm gonna come out on the record on this one and say i don't like it <laughs> we at brain bog i think it's bad don't like mutilation and removal yeah. of organs <laughs> so when you you know so when you guys are heading out to the polls out there on election day Vote no on question seven. Is body mutilation bad? Oh, wait, no. Is body mutilation good? Sorry, sorry. (laughs) Say no to that. Uh, The Zydek comes in a little glass vial. A little glass vial? little glass vial. Yeah, we had to get one in there. It's Bogtober, dude. We have to do it. Honestly... I wish these these poor souls got some Zydrate because then they wouldn't feel the surgeries, you know? Of course, then they would become addicted, and that's a whole other thing. But you yeah, know, at least they would they'd be numb to the surgeries. The yeah. Surgeries. The Amber Sweet um, would be addicted to the knife. Yeah, addicted to the knife. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> at the inquest. The yeah, so continuing on at the inquest into Chapman's murder, a witness described having seen Chapman standing outside Twenty One Hanbury Street at about five thirty a.m. in the company of a dark-haired man wearing a brown deer stalker hat. Which basically, it pictures Sherlock Holmes and the, the kind of hat you would see him wearing in like old pictures. Like you know what I'm talking about? Looking hat. Yeah. yeah, that's basically what a deer stalker hat is. So, okay. so we got a dark-haired man wearing a brown deer stalker hat and dark overcoat, and of a 
shabby genteel appearance as described so sort of you know not necessarily like a like wealthy looking person yeah. but you know someone of kind of like a shabby appearance you know kind of poor looking um according to this eyewitness the man had asked chapman the question will you to which chapman had replied yes so mm. chapman was you know a sex worker at the time so we, we can sort of imagine that maybe he was like propositioning her to try to get her alone somewhere mm-hmm. so that he could act out this horrible murder but kind of hard to say based on that little bit of information but you know one can surmise that that might have been what was happening there also can't really say for 100 percent certain that this person was the person who did the deed but it's the yeah. most evidence that we really have yeah. of who could have committed this particular murder and it's really the first time of these murders that I've described that we actually have an eyewitness of any form. Oh. So, so that's sort of an interesting um, development with that particular case. So now with Elizabeth Stride and Catherine Eddowes, oh, so Catherine Stride and uh, Elizabeth, oops, sorry, flip those names. Elizabeth Stride and <laughs> Catherine Eddowes were both killed in the early morning hours of Sunday september 30th of 1888 so now we got two murders happening the same night um stride's body was discovered at approximately 1 a.m in dutfield's yard off bernard street in whitechapel the cause of death was a single clear cut incision measuring about six six inches across her neck which had severed her carotid artery and left her trachea um basically completely severed um now the absence of any further mutilations to her body has led to uncertainty as to whether strides murder was committed by the ripper or whether he was interrupted during the attack well you also said it was one cut in the throat right right so this one is different so there are some people who are unsure whether or not this one is Part of it, it's mostly the, the proximity of murders between hers and uh, Catherine Eddowes that sort of lead people to think that maybe what happened was he was interrupted in the midst of him acting out this, like, you know, murderous thing, he had, a fantasy or whatever that he needs to do to these victims. And so that's why he then went and found a second victim the same night oh. so that he sort of could finish the deed that he set out to do to begin with. That makes you know, sense. That kind of tracks. Yeah, so obviously we can't know for sure but that's sort of like the logic that is applied here so several witnesses later informed police that they had seen stride in the company of a man in or close to bernard street on the evening of the 29th of september and the early hours of the 30th so right before she died um or at least her body was discovered at you know 1 a.m the 30th so Somewhere between, you know, when they saw her on the 29th and that early morning in the 30th, she was murdered. Um, but each gave different descriptions. Some said that her companion was fair. Others said dark. Some said he was shabbily dressed. Others said well-dressed. So we have some differing eyewitnesses on this particular one. All we know is that people saw her with somebody. Not really sure what the deal was, but she was murdered though slightly differently than our other victims. Bruh. Bruh. Brent's, Brent's got the burps. Uh, uh, the burps. Brent's got oh, no. the burps. Jack the Ripper? 
the murder. <gasps> uh, uh, Brent the burper. I'm getting. I'm getting the Fred Durst burps. Yeah. <gasps> Burping, being burnt. <laughs> um, so then we got um, Catherine Eddow's body was found in Mitre Square in the city of London, forty-five minutes after the discovery of the body of Elizabeth Stride. So like within like less than an hour. So like we're talking like not even two a.m. Like we find another body. Um, her throat was severed and her abdomen ripped. Her abdomen ripped open by a long, deep, and jagged wound before her. Intestines had been placed over her right shoulder again. Ah, the, we got the right shoulder oh, again. Something yeah, about left, it. Yeah, he just, I don't, I don't get it. But like, <laughs> what does it mean? I, I still really don't get don't. it. Hey, don't get it! <laughs> um, the left kidney and the major part of the uterus had been removed, and her face had been disfigured with her nose severed, cheeks slashed, and cuts vertically incised th- through each of her eyelids. So we're just like the mutilation is getting more extreme now. Other body parts now we got kidneys being taken along with the uterus. Um, it's definitely getting surgeon- worse. Yeah, it's definitely escalating as these things seem to do. It's like more uh, and more poli- taboo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The police surgeon who conducted the post mortem upon Edo's body stated his opinion these mutilations would have taken at least five minutes to complete so yeah so he was at this for a while and out in like a public somewhat public area too so like it's kind of crazy that to think that this guy was out here doing this horrible disgusting stuff and like no one's caught him in the act at this yeah. point like it's kind of just crazy to leave the bodies out there for people to see yeah, and like in a crowded city too. Like it's not like we're like in some like middle of nowhere town, some like some hamlet out in the countryside. Mm. You know, where this is like a overpopulated area of London. You know, so yeah, very very interesting. Got some experience. bystander effect going on, maybe. Yeah, maybe I don't know. So a local cigarette salesman named Joseph Lanes or Londe. I don't know how to say his last name. My apologies. I looked it up beforehand and already forgot. Law ends, I think. <laughs> Joseph Law ends had passed through the square with two friends shortly before the murder, and he describes seeing a fair-haired man of shabby appearance with a woman who may have been Eddowes. Law ends companions were unable to confirm his description. The murderers are the murders of Stride and Eddowes ultimately became known as the double event. So, the conclusion that the, the investigators at the time came to was that these murders were connected, and most um, ripologists, as I believe they like to call themselves, <laughs> which is a ripperologist, it's kind of a ridiculous name, but um, they also agree that they believe these murders are connected. So, so what do you do for a living? Uh, I'm a ripperologist. <laughs> like, what? Excuse me? What do you <laughs> do? Up? I'm a ripperologist. What do you like? Study like riptides? Oh yeah. no, I study the murders of some people. I'm trying to do a joke. It's not, it's, not, it's not landing because I'm just like too tired. <laughs> it's yeah. not landing. It's fine. <laughs> too tired. It's fine.
Listen, uh. listen. Not not every episode is gonna be hilarious. Sometimes when yeah. you're talking about like violent disembowelments of sex workers, it's not gonna yeah. be that funny. It's you know, a, it's not a rip roar. <laughs> listen, the best yeah. I got is a funny voice. All right. Yeah, it's hard to get, sneak the yucks in there. You yeah. know, how are you gonna sneak a funny <laughs> voice in the in the disembowelment? Yeah. yeah, I'll just I'll just drop a couple slide whistles in here. Break for slide whistle. <laughs> all right. All right. Nice. Cool. All right. A section of Edo's bloodied apron was found at the entrance to a tenement building in Galston Street, Whitechapel. At, Galston uh, Street. Galston Street, <laughs> Whitechapel at 2.55 a.m. A chalk inscription upon the wall directly above the PC apron read, The Jews are the men that will not be blamed for nothing. What? Hmm. So now we got some, like, you know, anti-Semitic writings you know on this you know wall right where we happen to find a bloody piece of apron that belonged to um catherine eddow so hmm do we know if there was like a connection of jewish descent from the other victims or is it kind of like unknown well that's kind of like the weird thing is because eddow is not jewish so and i don't believe any of the other women were so it's you know it's tricky like some of the scholars who investigate this stuff say you know this sort of thing was not necessarily uncommon to be found throughout england because there's already a lot of anti-semitic sort of no uh, sentiment within the city with the emigration of refugees from russia into that area so it could be entirely coincidental it could have been put there as a way to sort of throw investigators off of the sense to make it think like oh this is like some you know you know oh, anti-semitic inspired crime you know or yeah. something like that or maybe the jack the ripper was just some sort of anti-semite and was like acting out in violence as to send a message of some form about you know like the state of the city you know i don't know it's kind of hard to really fully get in the head of this person because we still even today know so little about who this person was and like why they did the things they did. That's sort of what kind of gives this case so much allure even to today. You know, people, we really don't know why this person did all this stuff. So this is like one of the few times we actually have maybe some insight into like what this person's thought process was. And even then it's still confusing if we can actually attribute this particular anti-Semitic message along with a bloody apron yeah. to yeah. this man, we still really can't say for certain whether or not that's the case or not. So, uh, this graffiti became known as the Galston Street Graffito. Um, I don't know why it's a called graffito. graffito. in it. Graffito. A bit of a graffito in it. I don't really know why they call right. it graffito in England, but <laughs> I changed it in my notes to graffiti, so I wouldn't be confused. <laughs> but it I is like officially known better. as the Galston Street Graffito. The graffito. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So, dude. so when so when Banksy does his stuff, does he call it graffito? <laughs> Street art graffito. Yes, shim shim shiru. I'm going to going to put Trump's face with a mask on it that says COVID. Am I right? <laughs> so I don't know. Is that something Banksy would do? Uh, anyway. I think so. <laughs> right, the message appeared to imply that jews or jews in general were responsible for this series of murders but it is unclear whether or not the graffiti was written by 
the murderer or was already there. So, uh, you know, I already sort of explained that. So we're going to skip that part of uh, my notes. Well, yeah, I mean, I didn't think about it that way, but it, yeah, it could have, I guess, could have been a calling card. You right. know, like this is like, I am the Jewish person who did this. Right. And this is why. Hard to say. Hard to say. So, but, you know, that little bit of evidence will sort of, you know, go into when we get to our later section, we talk about potential suspects mm. for this because, you know, there are a lot of different sort of avenues people sort of go down for like who they think could have possibly been the Ripper and reasons why they thought, think these people could have been the Ripper. But before we get there, we still have one more victim of the canonical five that we need to get through. And that is uh, Mary Jane Kelly. So, the extensive mutilated and disemboweled body of Mary, K- Mary Jane Kelly was discovered lying on the bed in a single room where she lived at 13 Miller's Court Spitafields at 10.45 a.m. on Friday the 9th, November 1888. Her face had been, quote, hackens beyond all recognition with her throat s- severed down to the spine and the abdomen almost emptied of its organs. Mm. Her uterus, kidneys, and one breast had been placed beneath her head and other viscera from her body placed beside her feet. Like what? <laughs> yeah. Why? Yeah. And yeah, it's just not great. The heart was missing from the crime scene, so that was one of the few organs that wasn't found. And again, trigger warnings here, we do have a photo of the scene here. It's black and white and grainy, but it is a big old yikes. It's kind of hard to even look at it and see that as being like oh, a human body. That's horrible. It's, not it's, it's pretty fucked up. Dude, I'm so, looking at it now. Like, oh, you found the picture online. I found uh, it's it online. Not good. It is like this is can't be real it's like something out of a horror movie really like it's so disgusting you you can see like you can see like where her face should be because of like the way her head is sort of pointed towards the camera and it just it doesn't look anything recognizable as a human being no it's like a geometric like abstract art like it's awful yeah it it yeah, this literally looks like it's a drawing, or like some like weird grotesque drawing. You know, it's not good at all. Oh, it's interesting. There's yeah, some so like that's... artistic drawings of like what she would look like if she wasn't completely mm-hmm. butchered. Yeah. Uh this is uh yeah, that's just horrible. So that's our canonical five right there. Each of the canonical five murders uh were perpetrated at night on or close to the weekend, either at the end of a month or week. After uh, the mutilations became increasingly severe as the series of murders proceeded, except for the Stride case, in which, again, we believe that that murder was probably interrupted. So those are our five murders that we feel are pretty confidently attributable to Jack the Ripper. Wow. So, yeah, it's... uh, Yeah, it's not good. It's really... It's not good. It's really... I really don't know what to say about it. It's just like... It's not good, but you know something that, like, I'm thinking about? It's it's really... It's funny how the fact that it was so long ago separates it a little bit. Imagine if this had happened, like, let's (laughs) say, I don't know, in the 70s. 
I feel like it, it's just that more the closer it is to like the time period that you're currently in the more real it feels but mm. because it was in the 1800s it almost feels like so separated that it's like it's it could be more disturbing but that doesn't make sense I don't know why that's a thing because like it's the same well, it's crime just it's because it's separate. It's been so long. It's it's. And also, like, there's this element of like we look at history with this lens of like, oh man, they were just so barbaric back then. Like, yeah. can you imagine living back then? Like, yeah. the the insanity running through the streets, you know, yeah. or whatever. And then you know, it's I think it's easy to sort of dismiss it as like, oh well, that was just then. You know, mm. people were just crazy back then. Mm-hmm. And so like when something like that happens now, it's just like unbelievable. Like, like, oh my god, I can't imagine someone would do something so horrible. It's like shit. Like this has been happening throughout history. Yeah. It's just when we look at it in history, it's like, wow, that was crazy. Can you believe people did shit like that back then? Oh, oh, oh well, everything's fine now. <laughs> do, 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 do. Put my head in the sand. Wow, this is crazy. You know, Can you believe yeah. it. <laughs> wow that's incredible i just um i wonder like in like 300 years if you know they'll look back and look at this time period and be like they were barbarians oh i'm sure i'm absolutely sure if if humans still exist by that point i'm absolutely certain that that will be the case you know they're probably gonna look at they'll look at like the pandemic and be like wow they let this thing like take over the entire world for years yeah wow yeah yeah, 2020 is going to be one of those benchmark years that people look back in, at in history and be like, what the fuck was happening then? Yeah, yeah. definitely a big year. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so Anywho. next, let's move, yeah, let's move on to other potential victims. So I'm going to try to blow through these as quickly as possible so that we can get to uh, some of the other stuff, like the potential suspects. Um, but yeah, so nice. the Whitechapel murders filed... Uh, the Whitechapel murders file details another four murders which occurred after the canonical five. We have Rose Millet, Alice McKenzie, the Pynchon Street Torso, and Francis Coles. Mm. I like that one, the Pynchon Street Torso. You know that's going to be good. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it doesn't sound um, great. No, no, it definitely doesn't sound great. Okay, so let's start with Rose Millet. Uh, the strangled body of 26-year-old Rose Millet was found in Clark's Yard, High Street, Poplar, on, 20, on the 20th of December, 1888. There was no sign of a struggle, and the police believed that she had either accidentally hung herself with the collar, with her collar while in a drunken steeper or committed suicide. However... Faint markings left by a cord on the side of her neck suggested Millet had been strangled. At the inquest into Millet's death, a jury returned a verdict of murder. So, they came to the conclusion she had been murdered. Now, she was strangled, which is different than the other victims. So, I'm not so sure about this one. To me, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, this Seems one's not, weird. This one's not similar at all. Especially mm-hmm. considering the fact that it happened after. I could say maybe if it happened before, because, you know, yeah. as he's sort of, like, figuring out what his fucking, what his go-to move is, you know, his finish yeah, him yeah. Yeah. Mortal Kombat move was, you know? <laughs> finish him. <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe he started with strangulation and worked his way up to complete horrible mutilation. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, this so, doesn't make any sense, really. Yeah, for this one know. is for me of the of you know the four of them is the one I say probably not. 
Yeah. I didn't see enough there to really make me believe that she was a Jack the Ripper victim. Now, Alice McKenzie was murdered shortly after midnight on July 17th of 1889 in Castle Alley Whitechapel. She had suffered two stab wounds to her neck and left stab wounds to her neck and left her um, carotid artery had been severed. That's kind of a weird sentence. I don't know why I wrote it like that. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, two stab wounds in the neck and her carotid artery was severed. That's the information I'm trying to convey here. Yeah. Um, several minor bruises and cuts were found on her body, which also bore a seven-inch long superficial wound extending between, between her left breast and her navel. Mm. One of the examining pathologists, Thomas Bond, believed this to be a ripper murder now this one tracks more of me because we got yeah. two stab wounds to the neck mm-hmm. we got cuts to the body um and you know her left breast to her navel i mean we don't have organs being removed but we got you know stuff happening to the body and cuts to the neck i can see how this one could maybe be attributable yeah, yeah. it's definitely a lot more likely than the last one right though it happened you know it's it, i've approximately six months after the last canonical murder so yeah we do have like a good amount of time in between these ones now the pension street torso as it's known (laughs) was a decomposing headless and legless torso of an unidentified woman between the ages of 30 and 40 discovered beneath a railway arch in pension street whitechapel on the 10th of september in 1889 yeah, it's just about as bad as I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Were they quartered? So, yeah, so bruising about the victim's back, hip, arm, and arm indicated that indicated the descendant had been uh, sorry, that the descendant had been extensively beaten shortly before her death. The victim's abdomen was also extensively mutilated, although her genitals had not been wounded. She appeared to have been killed approximately one day prior to the discovery of her torso. The dismembered sections of her body are believed to have been transported to the railway arch hidden under an old chemis, or chemis, I'm not exactly sure how to say that word. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So yeah, so that's our Pinchin Street torso right there. Interesting. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's it's weird that like the sexual organs were such a heavy part of the first canonical five, and then yeah, these ones don't so seem fact, to have that. Right. So that makes it questionable as to whether or not it was. But we also we still have mutilation, and we have you know escalation of mutilation where we're even just like completely taking yeah. body parts, like limbs and heads and stuff now so maybe but again hard to say yeah um and then lastly we have uh we have uh francis cole so at 2 15 a.m on february 13th of 1891 uh police constable ernest thompson discovered a 25 year old uh prostitute named francis cole's lying beneath a railway arch at shallow gardens whitechapel her throat had been deeply cut, but her body was not mutilated, leading some to believe Thomas had uh, disturbed her assailant. Coles was still alive at the time when she was found oh, by wow. the police constable, 
although she died before medical help could arrive. A 53-year-old stoker, James Thomas Sadler, had earlier been seen drinking with Coles, um, and the two are known to have argued approximately three hours before her death. Sadler was arrested by the police and charged with her murder. He was briefly thought to be the Ripper, but was later discharged from the court for lack of evidence on uh, March 3rd of 1891. Hmm. So... Again, maybe this guy murdered her. Maybe not. There's there's no connection to this guy with any of the other murders. So he's sort of like a fringe candidate for like who Jack the Ripper could have been. Mm-hmm. But most people who follow this stuff don't really consider him a really serious candidate. But interesting to think that yeah, maybe this one could have been another Jack the Ripper case. Again, we're not sure. The really the only thing that gives us that is the the throat wounding and it stinks because imagine if this person did survive long enough Mm -hmm. to tell them who it was that attacked her like what she knew yeah but obviously her throat was cut and so she couldn't use her voice and all that um yeah man it's crazy like imagine getting away from that like knowing what Obviously, this person didn't get away from it, but imagine getting away from, like, a Jack the Ripper murder, knowing what, like, would have happened to you if you didn't. Yeah. yeah. Woo! And it, it is, I didn't, like, dedicate too much time on my notes to this, um, but this Jack the Ripper case was, like, a huge media sensation at the time, too. So, like, when all these murders are happening, there are all, it's basically, like, the tabloids, yeah. basically, like, the Daily Mail type shit happening every day where it's, like, the Ripper strikes again, you know, yeah. or whatever. I mean, they yeah. weren't really calling him the Ripper until later. Um, you know, you know leather apron. Here's another victim. Chim, chim, I don't know. <laughs> but like a lot of these serial killers, we have letters to the press and the police. Potentially from our murderer. We Ooh. saw this with Zodiac when we talked about him i believe last october actually is when we talked about zodiac I think so yeah. yeah i think we did so, or at least around um, there yeah so naturally we have letters from potentially from jack the ripper as well now there's definitely dispute as to whether the, the authenticity of some of these letters but um i have three in particular mm-hmm. that i just want to kind of detail mm-hmm. so we got the first letter known as the dear boss letter so, the Dear Boss letter, dated uh, September 25th of 1888, was received at received that day by the Central News Agency and was forwarded to Scotland Yard on the 29th of September. Initially, it was considered a hoax, but when Edows was when uh, Catherine Edows was found three days after the letter's postmark, with a section of one ear obliquely cut from her body, the promise of the author to clip the lady's ears off gained attention Mm. so initially they thought this was just you know some gross person being like i'm the ripper i'm gonna (laughs) clip these glitty's ears off and then (laughs) after catherine eddowes was murdered she actually did have a piece of her ear missing so (gasps) then all of a sudden they were like oh shit maybe this is jack the ripper yeah um so eddowes ear appears to have been nicked by the killer incidentally during his attack and the letters writers threat to send the ears to police was never carried out. Ah. The, so, maybe it was, maybe not, you know. 
probably not, but we're, we're, really, we're really not sure. But the name Jack the Ripper was first used in this letter by the signatory and gained worldwide notoriety after its publication. Oh. Most of the letters that followed copy this letter's tone. So this is the first time that we get Jack the Ripper, that moniker, being used at any point. So it's a self-titled. Yes. So either self-titled or from some, you know, douchebag who wanted to send a letter to the police or not even the police, like the media to sort of like, I don't know, someone again, like a sick kick. Yeah. But that's where we get the name Jack the Ripper from. That's interesting. So next we have the Saucy Jackie postcard. (laughs) Nice. So the Saucy Jackie postcard was postmarked October 1st of 1888. Uh, which is, you know, it's October 2nd today, day of recording, so that's yeah. so, you know, almost, you know, like 200-ish years later. Wow. Um, so, uh, and it was received the same day by the Central News Agency. The handwriting was similar to the Dear Boss letter and mentioned the canonical five murders committed on September 30th, which the author's which the author refers to by writing double events this time. So you're basically referring to like the, the Elizabeth Stride murder and the Catherine Eddowes murder. Now, based on like when they received it, they were able to basically determine that it came in after those murders happened. Mm-hmm. So it's probably fake. But I mainly wanted to include it because Saucy Jackie is a funny name. So I love Saucy That's the main reason... Saucy Jackie is a fun name, so I wanted to include, include that one. But then this next one is the most interesting one, and it's fr- called the From Hell Letter. Mmm, oh. I'm intrigued. So, the From Hell Letter was received by George Lusk, leader of the Wh- Whitechapel Vigilance Committee, on October 16th of 1888. The handwriting and style is unlike that of the Dear Boss letter and the Saucy Jackie postcard. The letter came with a small box which Lust discovered half of a human kidney preserved in spirits of wine or ethanol. So he gets this letter and a fucking human kidney in a box. Oh, that's wow. pretty cool. Yeah, so Edel's left kidney had been removed by the killer and the writer claims that the that he, quote, fried and ate the missing kidney half. Oh. There is disagreement over the kidney. Some contend that it belongs to Ed Owls, while others argue that it was a macabre practical joke. Uh, the, ki- the kidney was examined by Dr. Thomas Openshaw of the London Hospital, who determined it was a human kidney from the left side, which was the same side that it was removed from in Catherine Ed Owls, but that he could not determine any other biological characteristics. Kind of a weird practical joke yeah so i i will have a picture of this particular letter on the brain blog if you guys want to check it out so very very interesting stuff and so now he's a cannibal if this one's real yes so yeah very weird stuff so it's kind of hard it's hard to say of all the letters that seems to be the most credible one because the guy literally sent a fucking human kidney yeah to somebody so yeah, that is weird. Yeah, yeah. You know what, Jack? I agree. It is weird. That is weird. You know <laughs> you're what? right. You know what? When you're right, you're right. That is weird. <laughs> oh, All right. Man. So now let's get to the fun part. Let's talk about <clears throat> some. Su- let's talk about some suspects. Now Get some susps. 
So, I gotta be honest, I've narrowed it down to five because if you go to the wiki page and look up any sort of information about... Oh, there goes Bobby. He just left for some reason. Oh, oh he's back. He was grabbing Sorry, I was grabbing my... No, it's fine. I'm just gonna hold up. I'm a little chilly. I'm a little chilly. All right, Good. continue. Bobby's a little cold boy. I'm a little cold. He's I just a put cold my, boy. I just put my bathrobe on. I wish I had my my cup of boggled. Yeah, a little cup of hot cocoa. Yeah, but I don't. Anyway, so yeah, continue. So as I was saying before, Bobby so rudely interrupted me by getting comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> um, I narrowed it down to five suspects because if you like do any research into the Jack Ripper case, there are literally like hundreds of potential suspects. Really? I was going through the wiki page and there were literally like 75 names on it. Oh, and dang. I was like, oh, my Lanta, <laughs> there is just no way I can go over way too all many. of these. So I tried to find some of the, like the consensus, like top contenders. And um, I just decided to go with those. Although I guess I'll give one honorable mention to. Um, I, well, wait, shit. I probably should have made sure I had his name down before I did it. <laughs> but um, there was like this Duke of Clarence. I believe his name was Victor Abbott or Abel or something like that. Uh, he was the Duke of Clarence. So there's like a very popular conspiracy theory that he was Jack the Ripper and that like um, either he like was this like murderous like nobleman who was like going around and doing this. And so like it was a big cover up to like prevent. That's why he was oh, never caught because there was like yeah. this cover up to protect the royals. And then there's this other versions of it that are like, oh, well, what it really is, is that like he had like a child with a woman of the night. And so to protect sort of his image, they sent out people to murder these other, you know, sex workers to prevent the story from getting out that he like had this uh, child out of my life. So that's a very popular conspiracy theory, but there's literally no evidence to support it at all. <laughs> literally? It's most likely no just... Literally? No evidence. So it's I didn't include that one because I feel like it was kind of just a little ridiculous and sounds like, you know, yeah, the sort of shit we, we're... It's like QAnon for the 1880s, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. it's funny, so, like, though. I think the one that... The first one of the... Uh, the he's just going around killing people and they got to cover it up. Like, it's yeah. kind of funny. He's like, yeah, it's a- oh god, Duke, what? You, you, you gotta stop killing these people. You gotta, you know, yeah. you, you gotta stop, dude. And he just like goes out and does it again. He's like, hee hee. They're like, ah. Why did you feel like a Rick and Morty character there for a second? Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez, Duke. You, you just gotta stop. You can't. You, you can't just keep killing people. You, you gotta stop, Duke. You, you, you gotta stop killing people. Dude, it's- I hate those voices. I hate them. <laughs> Now that, here, like, now that I like now that I like community, yeah. Sorry, now that I love community, mm-hmm. it makes me like Rick and Morty more because really? I yeah because I'm watching it again and I'm like, oh, the jokes are funnier than I thought they were because now I understand Dan Harmon's humor better. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, whatever. I Side I note. have not Rick and Morty is one of those ones I never really went back to, so I don't know. But I love community, so <laughs> but community. let's wait. So let's uh, talk about these suspects here. So I got five of the big ones, other than our our Duke there, who we quickly got out of the way. So let's talk about um, Surin Klawski. 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 Surin Klawski. Klawski. Yeah. 
Got a nice Polish name there. So, Klosowski was born in Congress, Poland, but emigrated to the United Kingdom sometime between 1887 and 1888, shortly before the start of the Whitechapel murders. He successfully poisoned three of his wives and became known as the Burrow Poisoner. Oh, shit. He was hanged for his crimes in 1903. Um, at the time of the Ripper murders, he lived in Whitechapel, London, where he had been working as a barber under the name Ludwig Scholsky. Oh, wasn't one of the letters from a barber? Yeah, so... Who we talked you know, about clipping years off? Yeah, something like that. So, yeah, we got we got ourselves, like, a fucking, you know, a, a, a Sweeney Todd situation. Yeah. Now, you know? Um, so, according to H.L. Adam, who wrote a book on the poisonings in 1930, Chapman was inspector... Yeah, sorry, sorry. So, Chapman, which was a basically another pseudonym that he took on later on in life, uh, was a inspector was Inspector Frederick Aberline's favorite subject, uh, suspect. My God. Um, you can do this, Take Brent. two. Take two. You sound like according me. To H- I know, that was a rough one. I don't know why I struggled with that. But according to H.L. Adam, who wrote a book on the poisonings in 1930, Chapman, which was another alias that um, Klowski went by, was Inspector Frederick Aberline's favorite s- suspect and... The Paul Mall Gazette reported that Aberline suspected Chapman after his conviction Mm. of being the Ripper. Mm. However, others disagree that Chapman is a likely culprit as he murdered his three wives with poison. And it is uncommon, though not unheard of, for a serial killer to make such a drastic change in modus operandi. So from poison to mutilation doesn't seem likely. Doesn't seem likely. The main thing is, you know, we got a guy who's a murderer. He was a Polish. It, it didn't. I didn't write it in my notes, but he was also Jewish. So we have a Polish oh. Jewish man who moved to the area around the time of the murders. So we have a connection here to like that sort of like weird quote and stuff. So mm-hmm. maybe I don't know. Weird mm-hmm. thing, you know. But in all likelihood, probably not him. In in my estimation. I would According say probably to Brent's not him, but he's one that expert detective. Word. Yeah, so I, I have the final word here, and I say probably not him. Um, so next we have Aaron Kaminsky. So Aaron Kaminsky was a Polish Jewish man who was admitted into Colney Hatch Lunatic Asylum in 1891. Hmm. I love that they called it a lunatic asylum back then. Yeah, that's kind of. Yeah. Come on, guys, Spooky. that's not very PC of you. Yeah, guys, come on. Don't you know? That's, that ain't cool. Not cool, my guys. Unless they mean, like, literally people from the moon. In which case, I'm all right with it. <laughs> um, so, Kaminsky was named as a suspect by Sir Melville McEnany in his 1894 memorandum and by former Chief Inspector Donald Swanson. Quote, The Polish Jew had been identified as... The Ripper, but that no prosecution was possible because the witness was also Jewish and refused to testify against a fellow Jew. So basically, these inspectors believed that this man was the Ripper and they had a witness who was a fellow Jew who said 
that he saw it happen, but like refused to testify because he would testify against a fellow Jewish man, hmm. supposedly. So in 18, and, oh, actually, no, in 1987, we're moving into the year of my birth, the year of our Lord. The future. Rent, the, the capital B. <laughs> um, author Martin Fido uh, searched asylum records for any inmates called Kaminsky and found only one, Aaron Kaminsky. Kaminsky did you lived call in our, White did you just call yourself our Lord? I said in the year, 1987, in the, the year. year of our Lord. I'm sorry, me. that just took a minute to like sink in. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry, so, sorry. I thought he was just That's fine. like me. I was born. <laughs> yes, yeah, the year I was born. Our Lord. Um, so Martin Fido, going around through asylum records from the time, only found one man by the name of Kaminsky in the records, a guy named Aaron Kaminsky. Kaminsky lived in Whitechapel. However, he was largely harmless in the asylum. He was in his insanity took the form of auditory hallucinations, a paranoid fear of being fed by other people, a refusal to wash or bathe, and quote self abuse, which is just old time speak for masturbating. Oh, um, yeah, didn't expect that. Uh, yeah. So, but in 2014, DNA anal in 2014, DNA analysis. I don't know why I'm like running out of steam myself here. I think Bobby. <laughs> In 2014, I'm keeping all this in, baby. In 2014, DNA and analysis. Analysis. Why? 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 In 2014, DNA analysis. Tenuously linked Kaminsky to a shawl said to have belonged to victim Catherine Eddowes. But experts, including Professor Sir Alec Jeffries, the inventor of genetic fingerprinting, dismissed the claims as unreliable. Oh, well, if yeah. that guy even says so. But. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But. Oh. In, but. There's a in but. In March of 2019, the, the Journal of Forensic Sciences published a study that claimed DNA from Kaminsky and Catherine Eddowes was found on the shawl, though other scientists have cast doubt on the study. So. There might we might have DNA evidence connecting this man to one of the victims, what, Catherine Eddowes. What's up Maybe. with all the doubt? There are some scientists who dispute it, but there are some studies that suggest that DNA evidence from these two people was found on a shawl that belonged to this woman. Well, those scientists are just Debbie Downers. There's like now, I, I doubt it. Now the thing is, it wasn't made clear to me from the studies that I read, the study that I read, whether or not that shawl was on her person at the time of murder mm. so is it possible that maybe he had some contact with her outside of the murder like she was a you know sex worker so is it possible that this man had contact with her and just happened to have nothing to do with the murder and it's just their dna was found on this item that's fair it's not not clear based on the study that i from what i read so because i mean this man did was committed like two years after the murders took place the canonical five so to say whether or not for sure that that even if that dna is there if it is for certain like it indicated that he committed the murders not clear at least from the study hmm. you would think they would make it more clear that whether or not that shawl was on her body at the time she was murdered you know so yeah that for me casts some doubt there but it is interesting you know it's yeah. definitely more compelling than our first uh, potential yeah, sure. suspect 
Next, we have a man by the name of Carl Feigenbaum. <laughs> so, Feigenbaum was known to be a psychopath who confessed to mutilating women, and even his own lawyer believed that his client was Jack the Ripper. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so Feigenbaum went by many aliases during his lifetime and was known to be working as a merchant on ships that had been docked near Whitechapel. Records prove that Feigenbaum was working in Whitechapel on every single date of the five Jack the Ripper murders in London's East End, and he and his co-workers were often seen at nearby brothels as well. Hmm. So This guy kind of sounds shabby to me. So we got a psychopath who confessed to mutilating women, who we can confirm for certain was in the area at the time of all the murders, and was known to frequent brothels, and, and was, all our victims are sex workers. And was most yeah. definitely shabby. And was those most definitely shabby. So, interesting. Hmm. Even more, probably one of the more compelling ones so far. After Feigenbaum emigrated to, after the murders, I should say, Feigenbaum emigrated to America sometime around the 1890s, um where he was convicted of murdering a woman by the name of Julianne Hoffman and was sent to the electric chair for the crime. Experts also stated that there were striking similarities between London's Jack the Ripper murders and the slaying of Hoffman. Hmm. So very similar stabbing of the throat and body mutilation happened to this woman here in America where he was found guilty and sentenced to death for the crime. I got a gut feeling about this guy. I don't know. He, it kind of yeah, sounds seems... like this guy is the Ripper. This one is, to me, the most compelling one. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, this one is um, seems pretty good. So, but uh, there are well, other ones, too. Yep. I was going to say, Go it's kind of crazy to think that it's possible that Jack the Ripper ended up being executed in, in an electric chair America. In, in America. <laughs> like, it's like this or old British murder. Yeah. 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 Weird. So, yeah, there's... That's a possibility. Now, we do still have a couple other possible ones. We next have, I mean, that I wrote down. There's also, like, another, like, 80 people who people <laughs> think, including as as crazy as um, Walt Whitman. So, oh, like, God. You know, really? Oh, sorry. No, Lewis Carroll. Sorry. Lewis Carroll. Lewis Carroll. That's really weird. The, the author of um, Alice in Wonderland. You know, there's a lot of weird stuff around him. But, yeah, there, wow. that one I found maybe a little bit more in the silly end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, although, Lewis Carroll, kind of a sus guy a little sus he, he had some weird shit in his background too but do i think he's jack the ripper probably not um so let's move on to this next man james kelly so james kelly murdered his wife in 1883 by stabbing her in the neck deemed insane he was committed to broadmoor asylum from which he later escaped in early 1888 using a key he fashioned himself Mm. Now, remember, 1888, the years of the murders that we know for sure to be Jack the Ripper. After the last of the five canonical Ripper murders in London in November of 1888, the police searched for Kelly at what had been his residence prior to his wife's murder, but they were not able to locate him. But in 1927, almost 40 years after his escape, he unexpectedly turned himself in to officials at the Broadmoor Asylum. Hmm. He died two years later, presumably of natural causes. Hmm. So, um, retired New York Police Department cold case detective Ed Norris examined the Jack the Ripper case, 
Norris claims that James Kelly was Jack the Ripper and that he also that he was also responsible for multiple murders in cities around the United States. Another one claiming that maybe our Ripper was someone who came to America at some wow. point. Uh, Norris highlights a few features of the Kelly story that support his connection uh, contention. Norris reported Kelly's Broadmoor asylum asylum file from. Oh, man. Norris reported Kelly's Broadmoor asylum file from before his escape and his eventual return was never has never been opened since 1927 until Norris had been given special permissions to access it and that the file is the perfect profile match for Jack the Ripper. Mm. So Mm. basically this guy, um, James Kelly, basically all his shit fits Jack the Ripper from like a psychological perspective down to the murder of his wife, like the stabbing of the throat. And mm. I guess like a lot of stuff that he said when he was in the asylum about like wanting to like hurt women and brutalize them is stuff that was contained within his files. So yeah, and well, the fact that he, he like escaped the year that the murders, the canonical five mm. happened. Yeah. Is uh, so interesting. Suspicious. Not as compelling as a uh, Feigenbaum, in my opinion, but still interesting, yeah. you know. And then, lastly, we have a man by the name of Walter Sickert. So, in the book Portrait of Killer, Jack the Ripper, authored by Patricia Cornwell, um, she pinpointed artist Walter Richard Sickert as the real Jack the Ripper, and even claimed to have found DNA evidence which links Sickert to a, at least one of Jack the Ripper's letters. So, now we have some DNA evidence pointing to one of the letters. Now, again, we don't really know for sure if the letters are from this actual murder, but still interesting. So, Sickert was born in Munich in 1860 and emigrated with his family to London in 1869. Sickert was known for painting sex workers, and some believe that he used... That he used to insert clues and symbols about Jack the Ripper, uh, the Jack the Ripper murders, into his artwork. Mm. Some experts suggest that the clues are so similar to the actual crime scenes that only the true murderer could have painted them. Interesting. So I'll, I'll, I couldn't find a ton of these paintings, but I'll try to include some. Like some people have some pictures, like sort of like circle and shit or whatever. Yeah. I'll try to include in the bloggled. But, um, yeah, so this man who had a pension for painting sex workers at the time, who there's DNA evidence connecting him to letters sent by the supposed murderer, and his paintings supposedly have clues within them that could only be known by the actual murderer based on the time when the paintings were made. Hmm. It is also believed that Sickard was impotent after having several surgeries on his penis, apparently. Oh. Um, ex- yeah. Not exactly sure how they have that information, but apparently that <laughs> being the case. Um, experts yeah. have all- always suggested that Jack the Ripper may have had some kind of impotence problem, which is why he targeted sex workers so violently. Yeah. So, that's always been sort of like one of the theories around Jack the Ripper is that, you know, when you have this sort of like anger, violence towards a woman, and mm-hmm. then oh, particularly a woman in the field like sex work that that 
the sex work is part of the motivation to be violence. I also wonder if it was like he felt like he was mutilated and, you know, sexually. Yeah, and that could track too because like in a lot of these murders, he took cut out their uteruses and vaginas and stuff. So like, it's interesting. It's certainly a compelling thing. Um, The author Cornwell also found mitochondrial DNA on several of the Jack the Ripper letters, which were a match to several letters written by Sickard, but it still wasn't enough evidence to convince experts that Sickard was behind London's Jack the Ripper murders. So, again, interesting stuff. Like, now, mitochondrial DNA, I don't know if that's quite as accurate as, you know, modern dna evidence is but it's interesting at the very least so these are the five that i found like the most interesting yeah carl feigenbaum in my opinion is like that's our man if if it's any of these people i feel like it's got to be this guy i agree it just seems likely yeah it's just yeah based on the fact that he was literally convicted of a very similar murder in the united states he was in the place at the time when the murders happened known Mm. to be seen at brothels literally confessed to mutilating women to people he worked with things add up a little bit too much it just feels likely now not to say that someone confessing to doing like horrible shit is necessarily an indicator that they did it yeah we know that people will confess to shit that they don't do all the time yeah including horrible things like murder but definitely the most compelling of all the um, suspects that I read about. So, yeah, that's going to do it. At this point, the Dang. reality of the situation is we don't know for certain. Probably never we, will. And we probably never will. Yeah, it seems like know? the more time goes by, the less we'll know. Almost. Yeah. And that's, I think, what makes people so interested in this particular case. It's just that yeah. similar to like the Zodiac murders when we talked about that. It's just we just don't know it could it could have been anybody yeah we ha- i literally have a list of like 80 names of people who people believe it could have been but there's really no way to prove it at this point you know you know if someday if they ever come up with like a technology where you can just like i don't know look at look at the world through the eye through a lens of the past and you can see things that happened <laughs> in the past i feel like there's so many of these like mysteries that they're gonna, yeah, you know, yeah. want to go back and find. Yeah, like just, yeah, I know. It, it's crazy. It, it's funny to say that there was like this thing. This is completely sort of unrelated. It's very mm-hmm. tangential, but um, I, I heard this story recently about like these this like college professor and a student who say they believe they cracked the math of like how time travel could work. What? Um. Based on like Einstein's theory of relativity, they're like, oh yeah, we we like did the math, and so we figured out how it could possibly work. Oh, so that's interesting. Not that they can, not that they can actually do it, but like but mathematically, how it, yeah. like how it could work. So okay, this is not. This is again, this is unrelated um, to even that. So we're going even deeper. But remember, yes, remember we even talked farther off course. Remember we talked about that episode. Uh, it was a, a while ago. We talked about how if you were far enough away from Earth. And oh, you yeah. had like a powerful enough telescope, you could see things happening on the planet <laughs> in the past. So, right, like, yeah. you know, theoretically, wormholes could exist. So, we could get a wormhole and like travel to a v- 
faraway galaxy the light from the 1800s find the light from the 1800s wherever far far away that is get a giant super telescope zoom in to london know exactly when and where the murder is going to happen and just get it on tape i don't know it's kind of cool to think yeah. about yeah but yeah, first we got to figure out how wormholes work yes yeah definitely exactly um, I'm just going to watch the net, uh, the uh, sci-fi original series Farscape a couple more times, and I think we're going to crack this code, you know? Yeah, I French watch, is watching it. Uh, I've got it! Uh, the Expanse. The Expanse looks cool. What's, yeah, what's yeah, yeah. On? I've been wanting to get into that. Um, But I have to pee so bad. Yeah, let's wrap this shit up. <laughs> I have to pee let's so rip it up. Almost, bad. We're like almost an hour and a half yeah. in, depending on how I cut this thing up. Um, so let's, right. uh, let's, let's wrap this bad boy up. Thank you so much for, for joining us for guys. another bone-chilling episode Ooh. of Bogtober by Brain Boggled. And we're so, only in week two of five, so... Yes, yeah, it's, I know. You, you, you little chillins are spoiled this, this Bogtober. Seriously. Getting five episodes. Can barely handle all the spook mups. <laughs> so exactly. yeah, if you want to get in contact with us and maybe suggest some other episode ideas that we could do for Bogtober, hit us up at brainbogglepodcast dot at gmail dot com. Yeah, it's got to be at something first before we go to that dot com. <laughs> yeah. At, at brainbogglepodcast at gmail dot com. And if you want to support us, you could go to our website. We got that new brain boggled bogtober mug if you want to get yourself one of them yeah me and so brank got ours com. we limited got ours time only limited available time only. during the month of october yep. yeah so get on that shit while you can um if you feel so inclined and you want to hear more of our episodes you could go to patreon.com forward slash brain boggle podcast and for as little as one dollarino a month what one you can get access to all our bonus episodes. We just wow. recorded and released one on The Last of Us. We've done the game control. We've done all the Star Wars movies and rankings. We've done That's insane, dude. Interstellar. We've done all kinds of shit Inception. on there. The Joker. Wait, that's you know, like for Inception the cost? might have been a real episode. Was Inception a real episode or was that a bonus? That was a bonus episode. Oh, Inception. Yeah, all kinds of for stuff. For the cost there, so of an Uber, you could get brain boggled. Is it even the cost of it? It's probably less than that. Probably less. Well, I was going to yeah, say for less. a whole year. Oh, yeah. For, yeah. Like if you Ubered down the street, just before you Uber, just sit there and think, hmm, with this $12, I could get Brain Boggled Podcast bonus apps for one whole year. An entire yeah, year. So much, so much juicy content on there. Seriously. And we, we get a little, we get a little loosey, a little goosey on there. So yeah. we, we have some fun times on there. So if you're so interested in that, check that out. But if you don't have this cash to spare, we get it. So maybe just uh, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five star review. Oh, Hope this show gets yeah. seen. That's or go like give currency us a, to us. Yes, or go give us a follow on like Instagram at Brain Boggled or on Twitter. At Brain Boggle Pod. I hope that lined you up. You know what? I, yeah. it, it will when I chop it, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it <can>. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Not only, that, not only that, we have more Bogtober episodes coming your coming way your next way. week. What? So get oh ready. My God. Buckle up. Hold on to your butts. More content coming. coming your way. What? I can't wait to see what Jack dresses up as next week. I know, me right. either, honestly. Maybe you'll go as a ripper. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We Let's, see. I'll, I'll be curious as what I did since I spent 
all my earnings this year in this very, <laughs> very accurate Aloy costume. Honestly, I've been sweating so much this entire episode. These, <laughs> yeah, these been, white, these stretch, white girl dreads stretch. are weighing me down. <laughs> <laughs> you have too much hair. Yes, too Unreal. much hair. I didn't shave my beard though, so I kept that. I had to be true. So. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Aloy right. has a beard and spirit. I have to Jack, yes. go pee. Bad. We're done. Go pee. Okay, we're, we're wrapping this up. Right. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. We love you. Bye. See you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>